0: Welcome to this podcast message from Kingdom Faith.
1: Good morning everyone. There's a really um sweet presence of the Father here this morning and I just want us all to kind of acknowledge it and to stay in that place as I'm speaking this morning cuz um yeah, I think what God wants to speak to us is is more of that. Um because I'm a tiny bit nervous, I thought it might be helpful to make you all laugh at me before I start. So I'm going to tell you a little story about um, something that happened to me last week. Um, and feel free to laugh, because I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> um, so, the sund- last Saturday, I went on the train to Winchester to meet some of my best friends. Um, and the Sunday before that, Helena had been speaking about taking our Bible on the train with us and um, opening it on the train and reading it and taking the word with us like and getting people intrigued about it. And when she was saying that, I was thinking, oh, yeah, I've got a, a me day on Saturday. I'm going to be going on the train. I'm going to spend some time with God on the way and then I'm going to spend some time with my friends and then it'll be really nice. So I packed my Bible in my bag and... Um, Unusually for me, I wasn't in too much of a hurry. So when, just before, I went to get my tickets and I had some time to go and get uh, some breakfast. So I went to Pratt, got got some nice um, breakfast and a bottle of fizzy water. So I went, found a seat on the train. It was a really busy train. And uh, had to walk along up up and down a bit to find a seat. But I found this seat next to this lady and um, she was just sleeping with her head on the window thought oh I won't really disturb her. like there's quite a lot of space because she's leaning against the window and I can get my Bible out and I can listen to my worship music and I'm gonna have a really nice time. So that was my plan <laughs> and um, before I started I was like, I'm just gonna have my breakfast. So I got my breakfast out, got my bottle of water, this lady sleeping against the window and I opened my water. Have you ever opened a bottle of fizzy water on the train and there was an explosion of water everywhere? All over my face, all over my bag, all over my Bible, and all over this lady. (laughs) Like, all over her. I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? And this man was sitting in the next kind of next to us across the aisle. He had this one tiny little napkin that he'd got with his coffee and he gave it to me and I was like, oh, wiping my face. And then I realised I had no more to give to the lady who was just looking at me like, what are you going to do? <laughs> and I couldn't give her the one that I just wiped my face with. And I was like, oh no, I really should have given this one to her. But you know when you're embarrassed, you don't really think about what you're doing. <laughs> so all I could say was, I'm really, really sorry. Can I go and get you some tissue? She was like flustering in her pockets trying to find stuff. She was like, no, no, I'm okay. And then I was like, I can't get my Bible out now. <laughs> she's she's gonna think I'm one of those like horrible Christians. <laughs> I can't get my Bible out now, so I didn't. But I did spend some time with God, and I just didn't want her to think because I felt a bit like I'd reacted selfishly using this tiny little t- like napkin to wipe my own face. That I just I didn't want her to have that kind of wrong impression, and I felt bad and. And she just went back to sleep, and I stayed in my seat and got to Winchester okay, but I was so (laughs) embarrassed. (laughs) So yeah, but it's funny how I had some good intentions, but I don't even know why that happened. Maybe I needed humbling (laughs) on Saturday last week, but yeah, I just thought it was quite a funny story anyway. (laughs) Let's uh, make a start. Um, If you could turn to Amos, chapter five. Um if you're following along with our reading plan that we're reading in church at the moment, you'll know that Amos was on the list a c- few weeks ago. And I was reading Amos chapter five and got to verse four. This is what the Lord says to Israel: Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel, do not go to Gilgal, do not journey to Beersheba. For Gilgal will surely go into exile, and Bethel will be reduced to nothing. Then he says again, seek the Lord and live. And I was reading that, and this doesn't always happen when I'm reading the Old Testament. I'm quite a literal person, so I, I find that most of the time I get more revelation from the New Testament. But this morning, I was like, why? I thought that in Bethel, God did good things. I didn't really know what God did in Gilgal but I was like I know that Bethel you know people name their churches Bethel it's not because it's a bad place why is why is Joel saying that the Lord's saying don't go there so I started to have a little look about what those places meant in the old testament and um if we start with Bethel Bethel was where Jacob met God and had the vision and a revelation who, of who God was. And you can read it in Genesis 28:20. 20. And he builds an altar there. And a few more times in the Old Testament, there's like a revelation of who God is that the Israelites receive in Bethel. But if you then go on to read, you can read in 1 Kings, that it was the same place where Jeroboam builds an altar golden calves so there's something that's happened between the time where the Israelites are getting amazing revelation of who God is in that place to then kind of trying to achieve that same thing in their own strength by building calves at an altar to a false god to an idol and I, I was like okay that's interesting And if we think about what that that verse started with, it said, seek the Lord and live. So just bear that in mind. It's saying, seek the Lord and live, don't go to Bethel. Seek the Lord and live, don't go to Bethel. Then it says, don't go to Gilgal. So Gilgal was the first place that the Israelites camped after crossing the Jordan. It was the place where they last received manna from heaven because it was like the place where God fulfilled his promise of giving them the promised land. So it was a place of God showing that he was faithful to his promises to the Is- Israelites so that they didn't need manna anymore. They had the land of milk and honey that they were promised. So it was a place of fulfillment of the promise of God to the Israelites, and again, probably by, by Amos's time, and you can read something similar in Hosea, that, that it was a place that wasn't like that anymore, like with Bethel, there may have been a, some idolatry that they'd built there, and um, God says, don't go to Bethel, don't go to Gilgal, seek me and live. And when God was speaking to me about this, he, he was kind of like, you know, we can be consumed in seeking the things of God or our experience of who God has been to us. Maybe even we can be consumed in thinking, I'm okay, God saved me. But what brings us life is that continual seeking God. Seeking him for who he is. And that is what brings life. Seek me and live. And, you know, it wasn't that those places were bad. And, and God had done really great things there. And, he <laughs> and they were important places in, in the spiritual history of the Israelites. But that wasn't enough. Because if you concentrate on what God had done at that place, you could become frustrated or disappointed that he wasn't speaking to you now. And you could build your own altar. That place that had become a source of life could become a source of frustration, that it wasn't like that anymore, or God wasn't speaking like that anymore. Or enemies had come and invaded the place that God gave us in that place. So it's not that those places were bad, but when we take our focus off God and onto what he's done or our experience or the place or the revelation that we've had before, it's not enough. And this year has been a real like journey in my relationship with God where he's been kind of revealing to me who it is that when I seek him, I'll find. And I kind of want to share with you a bit of that journey. Because I think once once we have a real revelation of who God is and who Jesus is, and we dare to believe it, everything changes. And not just for us and our own perspective of our own life, but in our perspective of the impact our life can have on others through what God's done for us, through the fact that he's a generous, loving father, that we, we can't contain that ourselves when we really have a revelation of of the depth and the amazing gift that having him is. So that's kind of what I want to share with you this morning. And to start, I want us all to watch a video. I I saw this video on YouTube quite early this year um, and it started off my journey in thinking about who God is. So yeah, let's just watch. What's the best job to have? A
0: bus driver. Doors opening. I wouldn't have said he's like your usual four-year-old.
1: Doors closing.
0: Tyler to always be slightly different he'll be the one that you sort of go, no, that's, that's Tyler, you know. I wouldn't have him any other way. 97, 96, 95, 94, 93. His attention's obviously fantastic, but it's only uh, on what he wants. Numbers are his thing. At first they weren't too sure whether he was autistic because of the counting, but now he's a lot better. I don't think Tyler feels the pressure of being liked. He's in his own bubble, you know, and, and, he, and he loves it. You know, he doesn't feel any
2: need to make friends. As the morning continues, Tyler still doesn't want to join in. But he does attract Theo's attention.
0: I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. I was talking to him and he does not listen to me. He doesn't. he does went... I love buses. Please talk to you. Yes? And I had a bad dream last night with a wolf going to side to side and now house and he comes upstairs and got me. That was a bad dream. I don't like it. Sarah, so I'm not scared anymore. It's daytime.
2: Tyler's been playing with his buses inside all morning.
0: Where's my friend going to come back?
2: But having spent the week oh, trying to befriend him, Theo is missing his favorite playmate.
0: On want to play now.
2: Do you like Tyler? Are you best friends?
0: No. Hello! <gasps> my friend is back! He's, he's coming! He's coming to play with me! My friend! <laughs> Have a nice sit
1: down. I love you. It's a lovely video isn't it? Nathan will tell you I make us watch that like quite regularly when I'm feeling a bit sad. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, but you can probably guess who's me in that story and who's God. And uh, you know, I love, I love <laughs> Tyler, uh, Theo. He's like, "Come on, talk to me, talk to me." And all Th- what Tyler has to say is "Yes," and his deepest fears just come spurting out. What was really close to his heart, he just needed a, a slight acknowledgement from Tyler that even Theo existed, and and the depths of his heart came out. I'm really frightened I had this really horrible dream but it's like that with us you know god god just needs that bit of acknowledgement and he w- he's he's waiting to share his heart the depths of his heart the intimate things of his heart he just needs that one acknowledgement from us and he's like yes and you know sometimes we can think you know i don't i don't deserve that god i don't deserve that relationship with you but but there was nothing really that that tyler had done to attract theo's attention in that video theo just decided that he wanted to be tyler's friend he just decided that that was the person And again, that's like our relationship with God. You know, we don't need to question why. Because that was God's decision. We just need to throw ourselves into it. But sometimes, you know, playing with buses seems like the most important thing, right? Counting backwards and hiding in a wardrobe seems like the most important thing. But, you know, we we can see from the outside that it's it's not the same as relationship with god it's not going to compare with relationship with god but why why does it seem so attractive and you know what god god really was speaking to me is that i don't i don't truly believe in how good he is cuz if i did there'd be nowhere else i'd want to be I don't truly believe that that relationship that he wants with me is available to me because if I did, there'd be nowhere else I'd want to spend my time or invest my time. And it's hard, isn't it? It's... It challenges so much of what we what we learn as adults. And I think this is why the Bible talks so much about having a childlike faith because children can't earn anything for themselves. But as soon as we start to become adults or teenagers, adolescents, we, we learn about the reality of earning our keep, providing for ourselves or our family, meeting our needs. So that we, we start to think, well, if I manage to do this for God, then he might do this for me. And, and it comes because we start to have to live our natural lives like that. If I go to work today, I'll get paid and then I can pay my bills and buy some food. But children don't think like that. They don't need to. Someone provides everything that they need. So do I really believe that God provides everything that I need? Because if I do, my ch- faith is childlike and none of that other stuff gets in the way. And and this is kind of like the journey that, that I've been on with God in the last few months. And it kind of feels arrogant sometimes to think, I can have that relationship with God. I can I can have it. I can be blessed with every spiritual blessing. I can be blessed with a relationship with God because I haven't earned it. But that's the point. I can't earn it, but he's chosen to give it to me. And, you know, when I really came to God, and gave like ev- my whole life to him as an adult, you know, decided that I wanted to give give him everything. It was in a real acknowledgement of how faithful he'd been to me. And I love the, the Bible verse in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 7, 9. It says, Now therefore, know therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God. Keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. We can't earn anything for anyone in a thousand generations, let alone for ourselves, but God's promised it's going to last a thousand generations, his faithfulness to me. It's amazing. It's not just for me while I'm here on this earth, it's for a thousand generations. It's amazing, isn't it? But if I really believe that, why do I not? Why do other things seem more important sometimes? God also showed me that my understanding more recently of, of his faithfulness wasn't the understanding that he wanted me to have. So I I thought about, and if you'd asked me if I believed this, I would have definitely said no, but it was kind of the way I treated God's faithfulness, that he was in the background doing his thing, being faithful, not changing, just getting on with being God. And sometimes it might affect my life positively, it might be mean blessing for me, sometimes it might not. And for for our American friends, I want to bring an analogy of Old Faithful. It's a geyser in Yellowstone National Park. And um, it's, I think, about every 40 minutes, this eruption of water comes out the ground. And ever since they've recorded, I think it's only been about 40 minutes or 45 minutes maximum, the time between eruptions, I don't know if that's the word you use, but the water spouting out, and the first people that explored Yellowstone, they decided that it would be a great way to wash their clothes. So they would throw their clothes into the geyser, they'd get mixed around a bit, and then 40 minutes later, they would shoot up into the sky, all clean, and they'd just have to go and find where they landed. But that was okay if they put their cotton and linen clothes. But when they put their woolen clothes in, that was a different story. Because when they got spurted out, they would be holes, broken, disshapen, maybe shrunk in the hot water. It wasn't the same story. So they had to be careful what they put into the giza, and my my kind of image of God was, you know. Sometimes I'll put my linen clothes and my cotton clothes, and they'll come out clean, and it will be a good thing, His faithfulness to me. But sometimes it just won't be. But you know that that's not that's not what God being faithful means. It doesn't mean just getting on with His thing. It means passionately pursuing me, passionately pursuing the best for me, interceding for me constantly. That's what God's faithfulness is to me. It's not sometimes it'll be good, sometimes it won't. It's not like that at all. But my perception of of God was, okay, sometimes I need to, to be grateful or to come close. Sometimes I just need to get on with my thing. But no, that's not God's heart. His heart is passionately for me 24 7 we know in Psalm 139 actually let's read it this is this is the heart of God for me you have searched me Lord and you know me you know when I sit and when I rise You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too high for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, or I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me first. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. That's God's faithfulness to me. That's God's faithfulness to me. For a thousand generations. And there's another aspect of his his heart that he's really spoken to me about so there's his faithfulness but he's also a good father and it comes back to why you know we're we're asked to have childlike faith because he wants to provide for me he wants to be the good father that that provides everything i need and let's look at romans 8 Verse 32. Actually, we'll start with 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? sometimes we're we're just happy with the salvation aren't we we're grateful for it we're happy for the redemption to know that our souls are okay but but the bible says that's just the beginning he's done that for us so ha- you know that's the greatest gift he could have given the atonement the redemption the salvation the peace with god so how much more will he give us all things? Again, it feels it feels arrogant to say, but it's in, it's in here. And let's go back to Romans five. Verse 9, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if we were, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So this, again, is saying reconciliation is just the beginning. Salvation that verse seems to suggest to me isn't a momentary thing that's the reconciliation that's the being made right with God but the salvation continues for my whole life where he provides for me and he he gives to me graciously all things You know, sometimes we see salvation as the ultimate gift, don't we? We we talk about it so much. And it it was the first step that made the ultimate goal possible. Because the ultimate goal for God is the relationship. The relationship that he wants to have with me. So the the reconciliation, Jesus dying, was the first step. But for God, the ultimate goal was a relationship with me. To spend time with me. To be with me. To be known by me. To know me and to be known by me. And I find it amazing how, you know... In the corporate sense, we're all one body, but in our individual walks with God, he's doing something so similar in my life to Mike's life, as Mike shared with us, to Claire's life, as she shared with us last week, that he's calling us, all of us, to not stay in, in the first place, not stay happy with the salvation, but to pursue the ultimate goal, to pursue him. Seek me and live. Seek me and live. And I'll admit, you know, there's still lots that God needs to do in my heart about this. I will admit that there's still things that I prioritize above that. I think probably if we're being honest we'd all all admit that but he's so gracious he's so gracious he's speaking to all of us and he's saying seek me i'm here seek me and live seek me and i'll give you all things seek me i'm here for you i'm your father i want to know you and i want to be known by you." And and why is it so important that we believe this? That he wants to show his goodness to us? When I was a child, I used to really struggle with what the Bible talked about, having faith. Because to me it meant faith that God could heal or faith that God could provide faith that God, almost like faith that he existed and he was able to do those things. But when it came to, and that's what my understanding of faith was, but when it came to, okay, God's going to heal me, having faith that God was going to heal me, it was a different story. I I really struggled with that. People would talk a lot about it in church, You know, you only need faith as small as a mustard seed. And I'd be like, but I don't don't know how to get that. But recently God's been showing me that I kind of had it all wrong. If we turn to Hebrews 11. Because the faith that God exists and that he can is not enough. Well, it wasn't for me because when I came to being prayed for for healing or when it came to needing to believe that God would provide something for me, it was difficult. And I would say often I was discouraged because I felt like I didn't have the faith that I needed. But but this is why our faith should be childlike. Let's read in Hebrews 11, verse six. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, that he can heal. But that's not the end of that verse. It says, and he rewards those who diligently seek him. The faith that he existed, the faith that he could is not enough, was not enough for me to have faith that he would want to heal me The faith that uh, was accredited to these heroes of faith that this chapter talks about, it was not just faith that God existed. It was faith that he also wanted to reward them who diligently sought after him. For me, the faith that God existed wasn't enough. I had to also believe that he wanted to reward me when I seek him. and without faith it is impossible to please god because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently earnestly seek him so my journey of faith now is learning to believe that he wants to reward me cuz i know i know he exists i know that he can heal i know he can provide i know he can cause revival in the city but now the journey that i'm on in my walk with him is learning to believe that he wants to reward me not because i've earned it but because he's chosen not because i'm special but because he's gracious And it's hard, isn't it, as well, because that's also a challenge to our circumstances sometimes. Circumstance, or our circumstances don't always line up to God is good and he wants to reward me. It doesn't feel like that sometimes. But uh, the Bible also talks about that, you know, the testing of our faith. We know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. And and the hope that doesn't disappoint us. And, you know, a few years ago, I had a really difficult time. But I can now look back on that time with a different perspective. That the stuff that God did in me, when I really had to pull on his goodness. When I really had to, when my faith that he was good was really tested it changed my life, changed how I see him, changed my perspective of him, and, and having come through that time, I look back on it fondly because my relationship with God was different. It had to be. I needed him in a way that I did, I don't now, that life isn't so difficult. So in my own experience, my own testimony is that those difficult times, God is faithful you look back on them and you know that God was there. I'll give you one example or a few examples of what I mean. So it was when I first started to be be a teacher. God had placed me in a school that was tough. Kids would throw things at me. They'd throw coins at me. And I couldn't they wouldn't listen. They didn't want to learn. It was hard. They would swear at me. They'd, you know, be quite abusive. They never were violent to me, but they were violent towards each other in my classroom. They stole from me. It was tough. And I couldn't ever think, oh, I just need to get to the end of the week, then I'll have two days off. That was too difficult. The only thing that I could comprehend was, if I get to the end of today, I'll be able to go home. And I'd come to church. Church was on a Friday night in those times. And and God, all he seemed to say to me was, what if I ask you to be there your whole life? What if I ask you to be there your whole life? Bear in mind, even thinking about the end of the week was too difficult was too mentally challenging because anything could have happened in those, say it was a Monday, in those next four days before the weekend. Anything could have happened. I just had to be thankful that I got to the end of the day. But he'd always say to me, what if I ask you to be there your whole life? And in worship, I'd just have to get to the point where I'd, I'd cry a lot. But I'd just say, I'll do it. You'll give me the strength. You'll do what you need to do. And now my testimony is that place is so different. My life is so, in every aspect of my life, I see his blessing, I'm so blessed. But not only am I blessed, that place is different. There was a substitute teacher, or a supply teacher, in on Friday, and she said to me, the behavior in this school is amazing. (laughs) Before they used to say to me, well, I don't mind coming here, because even though the kids are terrible, at least the staff are nice. But on Friday, she said, the behavior in the school is amazing. But that's just one aspect of God's faithfulness. I was offered a job at what I would have told you was my dream school. And uh, Nathan, this was after a couple of years, and Nathan just said, you know, do whatever feels like walking on water. I was like, he doesn't even remember saying that to me. And I'm like, that is an amazing way to live your life. That is so a question that I keep with me because I want to live my life like that, but he doesn't even remember saying it, I think that's mad. Anyway, um, (laughs) I couldn't leave to go to that school. But in the natural, it was the wrong decision for my career. The only thing I wanted to be was a good teacher, and I was like, God, if I stay here, I'm not gonna learn to be a good teacher. But now I can tell you there is no better school in London to learn to be a teacher. There's some that are equally as good, but there's no better the things that I've learned about my profession, my skill, the place that he's called me to be. I'm just blown away. He is so faithful. I'm so blessed to be there. <laughs> I love it. Now thinking about leaving feels like, okay, God, <laughs> the whole, my whole life has changed. and And that year of every step, W- on my walk to work was like god this is for you this is for you this is for you. every step was so hard but the fruit so if if you're in a place where life is hard there is there is fruit that's going to come that is is going to bless you but it's not just going to bless you it's going to bless the people that get to experience that with you get to be a part of that with you and it's why it's so important that we believe God's good it's why it's so important because if we don't believe it how do we expect people who aren't in the church to believe it if we don't believe he wants to show his goodness in my life how can I expect someone who doesn't know him to believe it and I was thinking as we were worshiping today, the worship, you know, there were so many songs about the love of God, but they can't just be songs. They can't just be words that we mentally acknowledge are true. They've got to be a way we live our life. They've got to be the way I live my life. They can't
2: just be words.
1: So where I'm na- now is just I wanna I wanna
2: see